and welcome to the Change Today podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Keila Kadeh. So Kadeh is my last name, and in French, it means soldier. So when we talk about Change Kadeh, we're talking about soldiers of change. In my company, we talk about soldiers of change in the place of diversity, inclusion, and equity. But here, it may talk about the workplace, but we may also talk about stories of just change in general from various different aspects of life. Change today is all about stories of change at what times may feel like an upward battle, but people are getting to their places of joy. So here, I'll share some of my own stories. I'll also interview guests who took risks and grew from their experience of navigating change to find their joy. I hope that these stories that you hear today um, will be an opportunity for you to become inspired and maybe a change today in your own life. Welcome to the Change Today podcast. I'm so excited to have the person who makes my life better and easier. You do so much for Change Today. I, I think it's also important to share that you are like the policer of the no's, so you're making sure that I'm saying no to things, and I really appreciate that. But how about you tell them a little bit about um, Beloved? Uh, and from personal experience, Beloved, they're these amazing rice packs that you can heat up or also cool down. And um, as we were getting to know each other, Vita actually sent a few to me that I love and um, that I will travel with when I have my aches and pains for my um, invisible illness. So tell people about Beloved. Yeah, so Beloved packs are rice packs for natural pain and stress relief. Um, You can stick them in the microwave or in the freezer, but they're just really simple and an easy tool to use, you know, when you're feeling cramps, aches or pains, swelling, got a headache, got a bruise, you know, you're, you know, pregnant, all kinds of, you know, different things you can use them for. So, um, yeah, I started making them a few years ago, gave them as gifts, and then I had people who wanted to buy them. So I was like, let me make this a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a good yeah. thing with the cutest packaging too. Thank you. Thank you. The, the new bags that you have are great. In fact, tell people where they could find your, your bags. Yes, you can find my rice packs and the new reusable bags at at beloved by V on Instagram and on Etsy. Um, I'm still in the process of building it up, but you can reach out to me, hit me up in my DMs, and I will hook you up. I I just love how we're two bosses doing things. Yeah, it's really fun. It is. Love- it's pretty great. I. I enjoy it. So, Evita, we are here to talk about white women in retrograde. Yes. Yes. Right? It's a real thing. <laughs> it is a, it's a real thing. Like, retrograde just ended. Um, it was rough for me, and I'm, I'm normally not feeling the things of, of retrograde, but um, in a conversation that we had and one of our last meetings, we were talking about how white women are exhausting. Gee, that's why I had the sigh before I said it. Not all white women, but some white women are exhausting. And how we've had recent events where we had to deal with white women. Yeah. Right? Yes. So you want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean... I think the the day I had my incident was the same day that you were processing through your experience. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it was just quite interesting. I was in a parking lot, and um, I think I was passing, like, by a store, and there's pedestrians crossing. And, you know, there's normally that, like, give and take where – you know, sometimes people have to wait till the car passes or sometimes you have enough time to slow down and let someone cross. But this lady took it upon herself to extend her hand and tell me to stop when there's clearly not enough time to let her pass. And I was just like, lady, I I mean, I'm not just going to slam on my brakes now. So I just kept going until she walked in front of my car with her child holding her hand. 
and proceeded to slam her hands down on my car and just immediately went into a rage. No. So unnecessary. I was like, why would you get that upset about the fact that you need to wait until I pass for you to cross the street? Like, that's just not necessary. So I rolled down my window to ask if she was serious and a whole host of profanities came out of her mouth and she was ready to fight. In and front thought, of her child. In front of her child, in front of like Joanne's fabrics with all these like <laughs> older women who are just like, what's happening? Um, and yeah, I thought, I mean, there was a part of me that really wanted to just unbuckle my seatbelt. Um, and finally utilize all the skills I've used and learned in, um, body combat I love that <laughs> but I was like I don't want to go to jail it's not that serious and uh you know anyway but it was really you know her rage really affected me because it wasn't a normal it, reaction to the situation it was I mean she was so angry and livid um you know I was shaking because I just thought it is not that serious and the rage that you have is not normal. Um, and so, you know, you could argue, argue whether it was racially motivated or not, but it, it felt like it felt like it was. So, so let's break a couple things down there. So obviously she was a white woman and, um, there's this interesting thing that you said where you said you didn't want to call the cops and deal with her because she did um, have, like, you know, she came off as an attack, like, towards you, mm-hmm. right? But if we did a role reversal, right, and let's say that the driver was, you were white as the driver, and then um, the white woman was a black woman with her kid and did the same thing, the cops probably would have been called. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And all I can think about is the incident, um, at the, the dollar store where the, the kid like accidentally took a toy and I think it was in Arizona and the police used excessive violence and just over the fact that a black woman and her husband and this kid accidentally took a toy. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So in those situations where you are essentially the bigger person because you're choosing to not, like, play into this violence or any of the fear that's being used, um, like, how did that make you feel? Did you, were you able to just let that go or did you hold on to that moment for a while? Are you still holding on to that moment? I mean, I think if I'm honest with myself, I held on to it longer than I expected. Um, Like I said, just because her reaction was so intense, it was hard not to respond to that with feeling, you know, the same intensity. And because I didn't call the police and because I didn't lash out to her, you know, I had to let it out somewhere. So it was, you know, my, my sisters or people who I was close to who had to hear the story, mm-hmm. which in turn gets them upset. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? To, to have to hear that story. And, um, so it, it definitely came out and maybe this lady didn't have to feel the repercussions of it, but you know, I did and, and people in my family, people I'm close with. So, um, it's pretty wild how I think our, our actions impact other people and people we weren't even anticipating whether we realize it or not. Um, so yeah, I think if roles were reversed, I mean, I would never, uh, slam my hands down on somebody's car like that. Um, that act of aggression, I think would have totally led, you know, a, a white woman in that situation to, to call the cops. Um, yeah, but it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It is. I feel, particularly now, being in a president Twitter era. So for those of you who don't know, some of you refer to him as President Trump. But to me, he's President Twitter because that's how he is a president um, via the tweets. Uh, microaggressions, which I never thought I would say. I do miss 
it's just full on aggressions. People are just aggressive. White people are being aggressive towards people of color, immigrants. Um, men are being even more aggressive towards women. And even we have these powerful moments like Time's Up, Me Too, and Black Lives Matter, um, we're still having really unhealthy negative outcomes. And particularly this week as we're recording, there's lots, there were lots of mass casualty shootings that happened from white men. I feel like that's a whole nother podcast in itself because we're going to focus on white women right now. But yeah, no, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Um, well, because white supremacy is being exposed, I think more and more that we talk about it and confront it and it's, people are freaking out. Let's and acting out. Yeah. So you want to talk about Bumble? Oh yeah. Tell <laughs> your Bumble story. Let's talk about Bumble. So, um, for many of you that are listening, you know that I'm very single and, you know, ready to mingle. So, um, through the, I'm what? Then you're a cougar too. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why these young ones you're are interested. Cougar, I think that's like inferring that you go after the young ones. It's more the young ones come after you. I'm, <laughs> I'm aging gracefully. <laughs> what can I say? Um, but my therapist, Francesca, Franny Fran, was like, it's time for you to date. Sets up my uh, Bumble account. Get you a therapist that will set up your Bumble account. And, um, you know, I'm swiping and doing my thing. And there was this guy who kind of, like, resembled, like, a Tiger Woods. And I won't lie for his, like, political um, preference he put Republican and I'm not someone who tends to like Republicans, but there are Republicans that are, are just, I've met some really cool Republicans actually that are just more concerned about like the fiscal aspect of being Republican. So I'm trying to be open. I'm hearing my therapist words being open regardless of what he like looks like and more on like personality or whatever. And I swipe. Thank you. A swipe and um, a conversation starts and um, he asked, what are you doing this weekend? I was like, I'm going to a gala. And then I'm like, what are you up to this weekend? He was like, I'm going to a Trump rally in Sacramento. Trump, Trump, Trump. And I'm bringing my white hood and wooden crosses. And I was like, what? So I blocked him and um reported it to Bumble. A whole 24 hours goes by. I do not hear anything from Bumble. This was like, I don't know, 8.30 in the morning, Saturday. Um, and that thing stuck with me all day because I've been fortunate enough to not have direct KKK activities towards me. I've heard stories, of course, being a black woman, but I've never had anything directed towards me. And all I could think of was like, what if I went on a date with this guy? Would I end up in his trunk? Um, would he have done something? I don't know. Would I have lost my life or been hurt or harmed? Um, but it was clearly probably like a troll of some sort. And then I was like, I just don't feel safe. Here I am trying to think about my future and I just do not feel safe. And now Bumble's not responding to me. So, you know, I put it on Instagram, no response. Um, I put it on Twitter and then their team reached out to me and they're like, we're so sorry. Can we send you something? Um, we apologize. And I was like, again, I don't feel safe. I actually would feel comfortable having a meeting um, with your whatever team to figure out how this could be prevented. Because if it's happened to me, I'm pretty sure it's happened before. So Vita and I had a meeting with I don't know, like their community person and maybe someone who's on a DEI committee. And um, you want to tell them about the meeting? Oh, it was interesting. You know, <laughs> I, I want to give them credit for um, having the meeting, right? And not, not blowing it off. But, you know, from my perspective, it was a nicety, you know, something, um, they felt 
that if they if they had the conversation with you and made you feel okay, um, then they could just leave it at that. Um, and I, I didn't feel like they understood the severity and the trauma of someone suggesting that they were going to participate in a KKK rally. Mm-hmm. And I, for the listeners, I'm from Sacramento. That's my hometown. So I'm like, where did they find that? Were they looking at my, like, I don't know, trying to stop me somehow? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you can talk more about it, but they, you know, they made it clear that their priority was issues with, you know, sexual harassment or people making, you know, threats of that nature. Um, (laughs) Dick pics. They were concerned about dick pics. Yeah. Which (laughs) is, I mean, whatever, that's. That's we don't want that either. We don't want that either. But I felt this is we're talking about dick pics versus like terrorist threats. Right. And that's what was missing is an understanding that, you know, the KKK are terrorists who right. killed and lynched black people. So right. that's scary. It is. Yeah. And for me, yeah. Oh, I mean, it was incredibly terrifying because what if we had like a nice banter and again, like I said earlier, decided to get together. And then, yeah. then he would be able to use his white hood and wooden crosses or rope or whatever else he would have to yeah. instill some type of fear and or physical violence towards me, which every time I think about it, it just was incredibly frustrating. So I don't know if you remember from that conversation, they were talking about like, I think working with Amnesty International and like making sure that certain words that popped up would be blocked. And I was like, okay, so Trump and um, white hood, wooden cross, are those not words? Because if you are trying to block words, that should be included. And then also having to get into conversation about, I think Bubble's great. I think as someone who doesn't have a problem taking initiative, like myself, it's great to connect that way and like be able to holler at a dude and start that conversation. But there's a disconnect because it's created by a white woman and it's typically white women that are, are there in leadership positions. I'm not saying they don't have people of color, yeah. but the perspective is from a white woman. So this isn't violence for her because she's never experienced KKK violence. She's never yeah. experienced white supremacy or nationalist or Nazi. She's never experienced that. Or she they may have people in their family that are that way so they can find some type of affection or love towards that individual because they wouldn't hurt their black friend. But that doesn't mean they wouldn't hurt me, wouldn't hurt you, right? So um, that's when we had to get into this conversation on this call about intersectionality, right? So it's like women empowerment, we're all for the independent woman doing this thing, we're giving her options so she can connect in the way she wants to connect. But as soon as something happens for a black or brown woman, then all of a sudden it's not important. So we were literally told on this call that it would take probably like a year or so for them to address issues like this because they didn't have anyone to email me to say, we've removed that person. Eventually that's what happened. And they told me they removed that person, but it wasn't finalized until that call that that happened. Yeah. So then I had to live in this moment of like fear again, this person said Sacramento. So I didn't know what else they knew about me. And I felt they were not taking my claim seriously at all. And, um, what I wanted to do, the objective of the call was to say like, Hey, my, you got the wrong one. I'm Dr. Keela today. I'm changed today. I'm a diversity consulting firm. I can help you do this. So no one else has to feel this way because there's ways to do it. So no one else has to feel this way. But, um, then they're like, oh, we'll just send an email. And then someone's boss emailed me to give them another like scope of work um, after what we talked about on the call. And I emailed them back and I said, hey, I just want to know if you really are trying to work with me or not, because I don't want to sit here and put something together or better yet, have them steal my ideas and not get paid for it, which we yeah. know white women can do. Um, and then I never heard back from them. Mm-hmm. So they felt like we sent her flowers and we said, thanks, Dr. Kade, for working towards equity and social justice or whatever. And the flowers are pretty. 
I didn't, you know, need to have them. I appreciated the gesture of having flowers, but that to me meant that they knew that I had some validity to my experience and they knew that I could do something about it or can help them, but they still chose to not have me come in and help them out. Or at least, you know, really take a proactive stance to saying, no, hey, we value you as a user, as a black person, as a person of color, as a woman of color. And that didn't happen. And I, you know, I haven't really been on Bumble since. (laughs) Still single. But, um... So what do you feel like, you know, especially when a woman of color finds herself in a position of being afraid or fearful, which in a lot of ways we're told we're not supposed to be because we're supposed to be strong. But when we, when a woman finds herself in that position and speaks out and is not getting the response that she needs, what do you, you know, what do you, what does a woman do when she's in that space to care for herself or, you know, what, where does she go to, to deal with that fear and to get help? I think it's a few things. One, it is, you know, going to your, your tribe and your support network and talking about what happened um, to not hold it in. For me, I had to talk to my therapist about it. Um, so I did that in addition to like my friends. And then I also made sure to make it public. So all this stuff that was happening with Bumble, it's, um, it's a highlight on my Instagram right now that people can see and telling people about it. Like, hey have you seen this? And then having people try to, you know, by just having it publicly posted, people were outraged. And I was hearing other stories of how it was happening to other people on Bumble. So it wasn't just an isolated event with me. So in a way that that, that part was validating, but then it was really disheartening too, that other people had to go through that. And I validated the fact that we are less than for Bumble, which is super ironic because at the time, um, Serena Williams was doing their whole campaign for dating and Bumble BFF and Bumble Biz and all this other stuff. And it's like, okay, but I love Serena. I think she's great, but that's really not from my experience. They're not really valuing black people, black women. Um, yeah. So, and I think the last part is just telling your story any way you can. So I'm obviously sharing it on this podcast and, um, it is on my Instagram, and um, I hope to continually get my story out there, either through a blog post or some type of article yeah. about, you know, dating while black. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think when you're in times where you feel like your voice wasn't valued, when it should be, like, KKK person, try to attack me, and not being heard, like, I know I'm not in the wrong for that, I know I'm not making it up, I have the screenshots, I saw the whole thing play out, Um and then, you know, I had this conversation that we had meeting with um, the Bumble folks. But, yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of power in our words. And I'll keep telling that story, you know, forever. And even though it was a negative situation, I, it's now a story that I can use um, when, you know, talking to the VCs or tech companies that I work with of how it's important to make sure that your team, that is... Providing a service, whether it's customer service, the design, whatever, is inclusive of people of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, should we talk about Kathy? If you want to talk about Kathy, you should talk about Kathy. Uh oh. Do you do you not like Kathy? <laughs> I I don't like Kathy, but you know it's important to share the story, like you said. And- <laughs> out there Kathy just I don't understand Kathy but mm. Mm. Yes. I don't understand her either um so this is if you would like to get more of the story there's a blog post on my website changekaday.com called dear Kathy dear Kathy so um I thanks dog you want to settle down okay 
You have your toy. We're doing this. All right. I'll do it again, Joel. So I have this blog post called um, Dear Kathy, if you want to get more details about this event. But I was asked to speak at a fine wine event um, in France um, last month. And um, I was excited to go. They wanted to have a diversity person. It's an invite-only situation um, for 65 people who are invited to think about the future state of wine and fi or fine wine specifically and where it's going. And so to have an opportunity to, one, learn more about the wine industry and then to uh, talk about how diversity is a problem, like in most fields, um, was great. So we were part of a round table um, and in this round table, we had a topic of um, marketing, communication, and diversity, something like that. And there was a white woman at the table, her name was Kathy, who um, said to me, like, hey, Keela, I would love your insight because you're the diversity person. And I'm just gonna pause there because um, everyone at the table is white. So I literally was the diversity person, meaning that's my business and my expertise, but I was the only black person at the table, the only person of color at the table, the only black woman at the table. And the room was very white, the tablecloth was white. It was like all very bright. I had a white blanket around me. <laughs> so much whiteness. <laughs> there was so much whiteness. Um, yeah, there was so much whiteness. And so uh, she turned her laptop around and there were two circles, blue, different colors, blue. And the question was um, about chilled red wine. So the conversation around chilled red wine, looking at social media, hashtags, words, she mentioned black Twitter and I was like, interesting. And, um, her company, uh, she represents, um, a, she represents Forbes magazine and she has like an analytics company. And, um, so by looking at this trend for whatever her client was, she's trying to help them figure out how to essentially market to this demographic. And so one circle is for everyone. And then there was a pull that circle for black people, specific to black people. Again, I'm not 100% sure why, but I'm assuming again, the clients wanted to market towards black people. And in all caps and big letters, I see niggas beefing. And so I sit there and I'm like, the fuck? Literally, I was so confused because one, I'm in France. Uh, two, it's July 5th. Uh, and then three, I'm just very confused with how and why that came up about chilled red wine. Chilled red wine is something that's typically, it's a thing, but it happens more in European countries than it does in America. Anyway, I didn't know there was a debate. So, She's explaining blah, 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 the words and hashtags. And then she says, the beefing statement, uh, three times, I believe. She said it three times. And I was like, don't, please don't, please don't say that. Nope, not for you to say. Stop saying the word. Like, I'm saying this over and over again. And I know this because I have the recording of the whole conversation. And uh, another I should mention that the person who said the N-word multiple times is from Atlanta. So she's not a foreigner. Listen, Atlanta. Atlanta. Where do you live in Atlanta? A-T-L-A-N-T-A. -A -A. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Peace up, A-Town down. <laughs> <laughs> All the songs. All the songs come from there. Yeah. Jermaine Dupree told us that we need to celebrate Atlanta. Outcast told us we need to celebrate Atlanta. So, I mean, the list goes on, but anyway. So then another white woman says, who's from, I don't know, like Washington or Portland or something up that way. Also America says, is Wiggers better? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, oh my God, no, I can't even, no, I can't even get into that, like right now. 
Um, and then a white guy next to me basically was like, that's not for us to say. And then I, then she kind of realized that she probably shouldn't say it anymore. And I was like, that word is rooted <laughs> in a very, you know, negative history. It comes from the ER version. You're doing the A version. Both are not for you. The A version is a way that the black community, African-American community has reclaimed the word. And there's debates in the community about that in itself. But either way, as a white woman, that is not for you to say. Yeah. Stop. Um, and then I go into the history about children red wine, um, which I didn't know how much knowledge I had about like chilled wines, but, um, it came down to that song with, I literally referenced the Moscato song. What's that song? We do it with no hands. What is oh, that? Waka Flocka. Waka Flocka. Ah, Waka Flocka. Anyway, is the song no hands? Yeah. I think so. Da, na, 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 na. Twerk, twerk, twerk. Um, Anyway, I do actually reference that song and how there's been an uptake of black people consuming. It was, it was, I said some good stuff. Anyway, I had to sit there for about 45 minutes, an hour to finish this round table, just like ruminating the fact that this white woman from Atlanta said the N word yeah. multiple times. So as soon as it was done, I like beelined to the only other black person in this entire thing. And I was like, yo. <laughs> and I told her what happened and she was like, I'm sorry, I don't understand. And I said, yes, neither do I. Um, and then like, she couldn't believe it. And then like, she's an older black woman. And uh, she's wonderful. I love her. I need to text her. Um, Hi, Julia. And um, look her up. She's great. I'll have to. Anyway, go to the blog post. And she's in the blog post. You can. Instagram and her pictures and her life just seems. She's. Yeah. I mean, like, she's in this white space, like, always in this white space and making it known that she is a unapologetic black woman. And I think she is amazing. Like I heard her checking people <laughs> um, at the event and in like a respectful way, like, no, actually no black people do drink wine. I can't tell you how many people are like, do, do people drink wine in Oakland? And what that meant was, do black people drink wine as if Napa is not 45 minutes, an hour down the way? Like I just, anyway, Julia Coney is the best. You can look her up on Instagram um, at Julia, C-O-N-E-Y. We have to make sure we get her on the podcast. Let's schedule that, Vita. Um, but she became this wonderful source of, I got you and I support you. We're in solidarity, which I really needed at the moment because I just did not know how to process this. Again, N-word side, I'm in a different country. What the hell? And so, um, we were sitting down to have lunch and uh, the white woman came over to me, Kathy, came over and hand on chest. So she, hand on chest, Julia, and then me leans forward. I just want to apologize for saying the N word. I am so sorry. And I was like, thank you. And you should apologize. But I have a question for you. And she was like, what? why'd you say it in the first place? And she's like, Oh, I don't say the word. This is not what I do. And I was like, funny story. You do because you're really comfortable with it. And regardless if you, let's say you didn't say the word, you know that it's not a word for you to say because you just apologize for saying the N word. So you made a choice. And yeah. then I definitely, you know, I went off on her. I was like, I came here. When I found out that I was booked to be here for the 4th of July and not deal with the dumbass shit in America, I was like, yes. But here I am dealing it with you on July 5th. Like, I was really happy to not be there for the 4th of July because this is not the land of the free. I don't care who's listening. That is not the land of the free because of multiple issues. How yes. immigrants are treated, how women are treated, how women of color are treated, how black people are treated, how people of lower economic status are treated. It's fucking ridiculous. President Twitter is the absolute worst. I hate him with a passion. I do. Anywho. 
I guess what gets me about the story is you asked this. Okay, she said the thing, shouldn't have said it, knows better, lives in Atlanta. But you asked her to stop. Mm-hmm. And she didn't stop until no. a white man asked her to stop. So yeah, I'm and it wasn't, he didn't necessarily ask her to stop. It was just, I'm sorry? I just, it, I don't understand how she could come to you so apologetic. Oh, yeah. You asked her to stop, and she didn't do it. So then how have you suddenly made a 180 and you, you know, feel really bad about it? That That's where I, I don't understand. I didn't understand it when she said it, and I didn't understand it when she apologized for saying the N-word. I was like, literally, it was, you know, an hour prior. So, yeah. you know, it's just, this is when white women become exhausting, because they're like, oh, I didn't do that, or that's not what I meant, or I thought I could say the word, I thought I could do these things, and they, like, pick and choose with how they want to show up in life, or how they want to support people of color, or when they choose to be racist or not, because that was racist behavior. And to make matters worse, there was a gala later that evening and she came up and like apologized again. And then I got white tears. And what are white tears? Oh, right. White tears are, I didn't do anything wrong. They're actual tears. Um, teary eyed, red eyes. Um, But it's just the feeling of, like, if I have white tears, then I didn't do anything wrong. And that is the switch to them becoming a victim of their harmful behavior. Take responsibility for... Absolutely. Not taking responsibility for their actions. Um, And then again, you know, if you cry, it goes away. Barbecue Becky happened here in Oakland. She... (laughs) Problematic for so many reasons. But she called the police over people barbecuing legally. And then when people are like, that's not okay. And they're, they're, you know, filming her. She starts crying and the police come, she's crying. Cause now yeah. she's now all of a sudden the victim, but she caused all this. She doesn't want to take, yeah. she doesn't want to hold herself accountable for her own fucking actions. Yeah. Right. And it was the same for the Kathy person. And the other thing for any white woman who are listening, if you accidentally do something harmful if you intentionally do something harmful, you need to give that person space. You don't go up and apologize for sure, but give them space. Like the more you're in your, their space, the more attacked they're going to feel, the more frustrated they're going to feel, the more PTSD feelings are going to come up because they can't get a breather for what happened to them. Now, mind you, it's me and, and Julia. We're the only black people at this whole thing. So I also had to be mindful of how much I was carrying and sharing with Julia. Like, she was great. I feel like I could do all that I wanted to do. But, you know, this type of behavior, even when you're sharing, like, your story, your situation, when I'm sharing my stories with you, my friends, whatever, that's a whole bunch of vicarious trauma that's being passed along because we've experienced something like that. And so now we have a heightened sense and we're, like, triggered and we're, like, dealing with all this stuff. So... When the white person who's done the shit keeps coming back into your space, then I can't de-escalate. I'm, I'm feeling all this trauma, right? Yeah. So then the next day in the morning, white tears yet again. Um, and it was moving into white guilt just for feeling bad. I just, I don't know how and why I did this. And I don't know why this happened. And I don't know this and that. And I'm like, I'm, it's not my job to help you figure out how you got to where you are and where you're going. Like, I'm not going to do that. But what I will tell you is that uh, there's this thing called ancestral trauma. And you're not even going to understand it. But I'll explain it anyway. Because the word is rooted in violence and people have literally lost their lives, then now I have to feel that for my lineage and any other black people before me. Because I know exactly what that word means when it comes from a white person. So now I have to deal with that. And I didn't want to. So, you know, and then again, literal like white tears happening. Well, maybe we can work together and I can tell you, you know, maybe it can bring you with a client. Maybe we can figure that out. And I was like, that's a longer conversation to have. Again, I didn't have space to be in a place where I would want to support her or to work with her. Mm -hmm. I mean, my initial answer was no, it still is obviously no, but I didn't have the time to like process that. So, um, again, 
go about the day and we had to do team presentations about these round tables we were in. And I made sure to be someone who went up there to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And once again, like a white woman, another white woman wanted to do the presentation. And I was like, fine. And I sit there and I held our little visual that I created. And, um, and then because it got to the part about diversity, which she couldn't obviously not explain because she's the one who said wigger, I had to come in and talk about diversity. So I was like, I think it's really important that the fine wine industry um, realize how uh, they, they are lacking diversity and probably racist. And the reason for that is a derogatory term is used for talking about uh, black people in my group. And that was a place to talk about the future of diversity in wine and also like millennials and blah, blah, blah. But in that context, someone felt it was okay to use a derogatory term. So you know what that means? That you in this room are using derogatory terms. And if you're not, your team is for sure. So you probably want to do something about it, right? I was kind. I didn't use her name. I didn't point her out, whatever. But I felt it was a message that needed to go to the masses. I did inform the executive director of the Institute right when the incident happened that it was said. And there's a little bit of a learning curve. Like she knew it was wrong for sure, but there's also a little bit of a learning curve because she is foreign. So I had to explain what happened. And then she was like, Oh, cool. Not cool. You should definitely talk to her about it. Right. Um, and so, uh, the end of that day, then it was like white savior. Yeah. Akila, I think, um, I got you a project. I got you a client. So by her giving me a client, she fixed it. She doesn't have to hold herself accountable for her actions, the harm she caused, the conflict she caused, the vicarious trauma caused towards Julia, myself, whoever else I tell this story to, whoever had to read my blog post. You know, um, and then she rushed off. So when I landed back here in the Bay, there was an email from her. Let's talk about space again. I can't even... Like, I'm highly triggered on my whole trip back from France. I'm in Amsterdam hating white people. Um, just, like, not necessarily hating white people, but just really, like, on edge with them. Yeah. Because of this experience. And I just want to get back to Oakland. And, like, trying to watch out and, you know, protect yourself from something happening again. Right. I was cut in line, blah, blah, blah. So you're, like, dealing with cultural thing. Anyway, I was just, like, I need to get back to Oakland and, like, feel safe. I needed to be in my home, around my people, my tribe. And so to get this email off the plane was, I, I was, it was incredibly livid from that. So the emails and the the blog post. Um, so I thought about it for a week. I knew I was going to write about it. And, um, cause I knew it was a story that needed to be told, particularly for the work that I do. And so a week after the event on Friday, I posted it. So my response to her email was, I'm unimpressed with your response because it was very like, how can we move forward in an educated and productive manner? And it was very so focused on herself and protecting herself. She was concerned about her image and her brand, not concerned, not concerned at all about the harm she inflicted towards me, which is common, unfortunately for white women. And, um, her response to me was, um, threatening a lawsuit for defamation of character. So if I didn't remove the blog post within 72 hours that they would be threatening me with legal action. Funny thing, again, I have a recording, so it's not, I didn't make any of it up. Um, But so I was nice enough to uh, change her name. But... (laughs) Uh, the story is very real. Um, I did also email Forbes and let them know that one of their writers um, used the N-word because, and I felt it was appropriate for them to know and they could do whatever they wanted with that, but I felt that was my due diligence of what I had to do um, okay. because it's not okay. None of that is okay. So, um, you know, getting that, putting that post out and like talking about that story was a, a beautiful nightmare because I actually really love the blog post, but like while writing it, I cried after talking to her, I had to walk away from the table. I cried, um, just because it's so much like white women 
so white women are so much like white guys to me are easier because they're like, I'm fucking racist. And you're like, you know what you are. And they're like, oh, I am. Let me fix that. Like when I work with white guys, but white women are like, no, I'm not. I can't be because I'm married to a black guy. No, I'm not. I have mixed kids. No, I'm not because I have two black friends. No, I'm not because I'm a woman and we've gone through the same thing. But no, I mean, if you're here advocating for people of color, I think that's great. Um, doing your part. If you're a true white ally, I think that's great. But you, again, cannot pick and choose of when you want to show up for people of color. Yeah. You can't. You just, you can't do that. You just can't. And this woman from Atlanta and Black Hollywood Capital, she has all kinds of Blacks there. Low-income Blacks, super rich Blacks, fun Blacks, not fun Blacks. <laughs> all the Blacks. <laughs> all the blacks and she's like i'm about to say nigga hello times and um i don't even like to i don't even like to say the word i can because i'm black so, yeah no, i feel you you know what i mean like what was like what was the response to your blog post um i i got a lot of uh, a lot of positive comments about how you know, I was able to tell the story and um, getting the message out and um, how it happens to other people and they're used to it and accustomed to it. Um, and I think I only got one negative thing, but overall everyone was positive. I got a lot of sorries and which I think sorry is an interesting word. You know, I feel about sorry, but like, it's not their fault. Like, they didn't, they didn't do it. Um, but, you know, sorry in the sense, like, it, they didn't want that to happen to me, which I get. Which I get. So I tell people, like, no, you don't, you don't have to say sorry. It's fine. Um, there's um, lots of views of the blog post, um, which is cool. The head of a diversity for H&M reached out to me. So that was really cool because she has to deal with the monkey stuff, the outcome of that. And I, I think she's doing a great job, but, um, yeah. So I think there are lots of moments of like solidarity, um, lots of thank yous for being an advocate. I, I just, I don't think people realize how hard this work is to be in the diversity space and be vocal and, really want to have social change or justice, equality, fairness, belonging um, for women of color and people of color. Like, it's a lot, but I also feel like it's my chosen work. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, you're, you're choosing to actively, like, engage with trauma on a daily basis, really. I am. Yeah. But... You know, we do have our ancestors who had to, they didn't have a choice mm -hmm. really um, to engage. And so it's, it's really a privilege to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. um, it is. I'm like honored to do it. I do feel it's my passion, purpose, calling, source of joy, but um, I know it, it, it takes a toll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, I'm not going to stop, can't stop, won't stop, but, um, you know, it's a lot because at times where I'm just trying to be and just exist or be that expert and then I have to deal with some dumbass shit, I'm just like, no, I'm not yeah. getting paid enough <laughs> to, yeah. to deal with this. But, you know, like the Bumble thing, this is like another story that I have and I'm proud of myself for getting it out there. I'll probably follow up with another blog post about, um, <laughs> about her. So, um, yeah, cause it's, it's all interesting, but, um, you know, like my mom would say onwards and upwards. <laughs> and I think it's important too, like when we talk about being a soldier of change, I think sometimes like the idea of being a soldier is you're strong and you, don't cry and you just keep it moving and nothing hurts you. But I think there's a different way of being a soldier where you can cry 
and things can hurt you. Um, they can't stop you. Mm-hmm. They can't crush you. Um, you can still move forward, but just because, you know, like you were saying, like this experience was really traumatic for you. Mm-hmm. And there was tears and there was pain. Um, but you are still a soldier out here working for change. So. In these streets. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cause I was like, you need to never, ever say that word again. And that's all I could get out before I get made to the bathroom and then cry. And I literally was like, these white women are exhausting. Oh, why am I doing this? I'm at a chateau. Why is this happening? Um, but I really needed to let it out because I, I wanted to not carry the excessive weight that I had to carry. Like it was still there, but I had to let some of that go. Um, which was important to do, but I love your definition of being a, a change today. How are you that in your life? You know, I would say I'm in a season of, um, setting different boundaries and letting things go. Um, and it means a lot of change. It means being vulnerable and, um, getting comfortable with valuing myself and my thoughts and feelings, which, you know, is hard. I've, I've spent a lot of time worrying about what other people feel and think and what they think I should be doing. Um, and so trying to tune that out and tune more into what do I want and what do I need? Um, that's, that's where, you know, change is happening right now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's kind of scary, but my hope in that is, um, that I'll find more freedom. And I think free people, free people, just like hurt people, hurt, hurt people. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. That's, that's what it looks like right now. And, um, you've helped me a ton with that because, um, you're just an extremely authentic person who's really real about who you are and what you want and what you're trying to do. Um, and so I I think it's really cool. And I've, I've watched you and I'm like, man, I don't know if I could ever do that or say that. Um, so I'm testing it out (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, it's good. It's not easy, but it's a journey. Like I said, I think being a soldier of change can sometimes look like tears or weakness. And uh, it doesn't always mean you're going in the wrong direction because you feel vulnerable. Like you don't always have to feel strong to be, to be a soldier. That's very true. I like how you said that. Thanks. (laughs) Um, before we wrap up, I feel like it's important to talk about another source of retrograde, which was actual retrograde um, for oh. our podcast launch. <laughs> so oh, let me just cool. give you the high level greatest hits and chime in where you want to. The day of the event, pulling up, get a phone call from the owner of the location, Hey Kila. We don't have any lights. And here's the thing. That's fine. But we were in a basement. So it's a modern tea party in the basement to launch. We have Alicia no J, Paul Swag. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful interview. Yeah, no one knows. We had power, but we didn't have lights. And I was like, all right. Okay, well, <laughs> this is what it's going to be. Um, I call my sister. She gives me like a pep talk. I like get my shit together, irritated for sure. Go in there, it's dark. There were some string lights because there were there was power and then like some construction lights. But the essentially the the tea uh kettle situation or whatever that thing is called blew a fuse. And because part of the building was under construction, there were no switches for the fuse box. So normally you just fucking flip the switch, but there were no switches to flick. So there were construction lights in the background, um, sound guy, every, you know, whatever is working. Then I'm like, okay, where's the, (laughs) 
whereas like the projection of the like sponsors and stuff, we had really great sponsors with um, the Empowered Cookie with Bar Necessities and Lululemon and Secret Deodorant. And I wanted to make sure that we were validating them in, and Kalu as well. And uh, Lux. Lux, the location opening later this summer. And there was no projector. And there was no laptop and there were no cords. But me, being the Virgo that I am, I brought that. Whatever. Get over that hurdle. Um, Alicia comes, the person I'm interviewing, she's like, it looks great. I'm so excited. And I look at her and I'm like, I can't. I cry. And then um, the owner of the place also was like, it's going to be fine. I cry. And then the person who did, Adrian Kimball, who did the um, affirmation, also came up to me to say something. Once again, I cried. I'm like, why didn't I bring makeup? And it was like, whatever. I just, this wasn't as a Virgo, what I envision as the very first podcast that I did is the very first launch that I did. Um, so then, you know, things are fine. Tea's brewing. People are coming. Mimosas are being sipped. People are getting their teacups. It's cute. It's definitely a very sexy vibe. Very cute. It was very it was cute. cute. It was. It was. Um, and no one knows except for, you know, the chosen few that were part of the setup. And then I go to the sound person. I'm like, okay, are you ready to record? And he's like, record what? And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, we're recording a live podcast. So the whole, the whole thing, we set up the contract with the vendor, everything. Somehow this tech did not know that's what they're supposed to do. I am like, well, I've already cried enough. The soldier that I am has cried too much. So the Virgo that I am, I had my Tascam recorder in my bag, so that was used through amplified sound, like through the, the speakers. But as a result, we were like an hour late starting because of all these like hurdles. Um, the interview went really well. The Q&A was great. Um, the, the people who were there were absolutely beautiful. I felt uh, supported for a first-time event. Um, and so we did it. We did it. The food was delicious. Thing. It was so good. Those petit fours. How do you say petty fours? Petty fours, yeah. <laughs> petty fours. Even the tea sandwiches. The egg salad one was delicious. I should... Anyway, so good. Um, <laughs> so then the owner's like, we're going to celebrate. We go to a restaurant to have like an early dinner because um, we did it. And we're in there for like all of 15 minutes. My car was broken into and Vita lost most of her shit. Pretty much all of it. All of except it. Except for your cell phone. Except for your cell phone. <laughs> except for your cell phone. And so we're like, you know what? It makes sense. It makes sense. But what do we do? I, we like, Vita cancels her cards. I unload. There was just like um, a lot of decorations in my car or whatever. So I go, I unload that, come back with my broken window in my new car, mind you. New car. Car's so new that it took two days to get the glass. For my window. And ironically, I've been in Oakland for like 12 years and I've never had my car broken into. So I feel like I'm a true Oakland native now. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. But we decided, even though there were a lot of things that didn't go well, all the retrograde showed up, that we were going to go out. And I don't. I don't go out. So we had the dinner. We went to a bar. We went to another bar. Then we ended up at the club. Bottle Turnt. service. Turnt. Turnt. But then I realized <laughs> that I turned too much and I was like, I'm out. Um, <laughs> did you, what happened with that little, uh, that PYT that you were talking to? Uh, nothing. It was fun while it lasted. Mm. And then. Got you a little doctor. We all just moved on. <laughs> yeah. Little medical student working on heart surgery or something mm. yeah nigerian he was very handsome he was i was like where is vita i became the mom i'm like where is she where is she for you that for the listeners um that may not know vita lives in chicago so we are when we're around each other i really enjoy being around you as you know but that it's time like of, i know but the time you being away i was like where what here you are up against a pole. <laughs> Listen, I was out here living my best life. You were. A I, long week. I did a little no. quick little twerk something. I had my first shot in 23 months. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
Guys, Akilah can dance. She was, I can. She was doing the thing. And I'm good at it. I'm not going to lie. I do miss that, but, you know, me and my heart, I can only have one drink a day. But that was definitely a shot. I had one and a half shots, I'm not going to lie. Wow. Yeah. I don't mm. think I saw that. Mm. Yeah, I'm quick with it. I'm, I live a very secretive life, so. <laughs> <laughs> Which I realized. Okay, so, um, anyway, that was a really good example of <laughs> things going wrong, but we were able to, like, live our best lives and make it happen. It ended up being a, a great day, even with all the the loss that we experienced, loss of yeah. lights and laptops and windows. Um, it was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot, but I really appreciated your, um, just your thoughts on like really being intentional about trying to restore those things. So of course the next day, Akila like helped me, she got me a computer, helped me get a backpack. Um, and just was like, we need to get back to normal as quick as possible. Cause she's amazing like that. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's, it's not something I realized how important it was at the time, but it really helped in moving forward and not, not dwelling. So, so yeah, you got to find, you got to find little things to, to celebrate and keep you sane. So how do you, how do you celebrate the little wins? How do I celebrate the little wins? Um, I think it takes me being intentional about taking stock of what's around me. Um, it's super easy, especially with my personality to get like sucked into the negative. So for me, it's like taking stock of what I actually do have and, um, and being grateful is huge. Um, and then Practically, I try to work out almost every day. For me, that's a celebration. It's not mm. a punishment because um, working out for me is like relaxing in a way. It's um, It makes me feel like I'm in control um, and can just like get out whatever I need to get out. Um, so, yeah, that's how I celebrate. I like to run, do body combat. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my little thing that I do. Your thing that you do. Well, mm-hmm. That's a good thing that you do. You should probably put, like, workout on my calendar. Well. <laughs> Don't do that. I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> but now I do a better job with that. For sure. Well, we've, we did it. We're doing things. We're going to continue to do things. I'm grateful for you with, um, this empire building I'm trying to do. Yeah. You're doing the thing. Like I told you when we first started working together, you're on the edge hmm. when you're going to go over it, but you're on the edge. So just got to keep doing you keep being Aquila. Hmm. Yeah, I'm on it. I am. Well, thank you so much for all of this wonderful conversation from strength and tears and change and white women and loss. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, you are such an important guest to have on this podcast because you do so much for it, but, um, you have so many little gems and nuggets that I know people are going to get from this. So thanks for that. Thanks for being my, um, partner in building too. I love it. You are welcome, Akila. My pleasure. Yay. Right back at you. All right. So let everyone know how they can find you. You can find me at Vida, V-I-D-A underscore W on Instagram. I will warn you ahead of time. I don't post very often, (laughs) (laughs) 
But um, no, you can definitely find me there. Um, you're welcome to email me at hello at changekaday.com. Um, if you want to get in touch with us and figure out how to collaborate with Akila and get involved or attend the future events that she will have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like how you said that. Because I was like, never again. I'm not doing events. And then the next week I was like, okay, we can do it. <laughs> uh, it's going to happen. It was great. So you definitely need to come to the next one. Don't miss out. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Cool. Well, everyone knows how to find me. Um, but make sure you follow um, at Change Today Podcast to figure out more about what we're doing. Um, also, where I'm speaking, where I'm going. I've been on tour. My tour ends. It ends. I have a few more days. One more stop on the summer tour. Yep. And then I'm going to go off-grid as That's much as off-grid as I can be for owning a business. <laughs> yeah, never truly off-grid. Never but. truly, but I'm going to try to find, I w don't want to say my husband, but definitely some 